level. This is part one of our Pete's blog series, and I have to tell you, I'm so absolutely excited about this series because um, we're talking about trust, and trust is one of those things that is so much easier said than done, isn't it? The truth is we're living in a really crazy and unique time here in Southwest Florida, and quite honestly, across our country, even around the world, this is a, this is a unique, unique time, and there are so many of us who are facing transitions, so many of us who are facing storms, who are facing difficult situations in our life with the economy being down. It can, it can place relational uh, struggles. It can replace, uh, or place uh, difficulties and, and hardships on us that are unprecedented for a lot of us in our lives, and that's why we're taking the next four Sundays from now through Palm Sunday to talk about this idea of trust. Because, again, the the easy answer there is, well, you know, just trust the Lord, brother. Well, that's a whole lot easier said than done. And yet the reality is that when we study this book, the Bible, we we discover that throughout the pages of this Bible is this theme, this this thread that we serve a loving Heavenly Father. We serve a a loving God who calls us to trust Him, an unseen creator who says, I will make myself real to you in your heart. That it will be unmistakable and you can trust me. And yet so many of us from the outside looking in are going, well, God, that's great that you say that. And I read that in the Bible. But, but trust is difficult, especially during the storm seasons of our life that so many of us, as we just heard Beth's story, who have been through storm seasons, many of us now going through storm seasons. And that's why we're doing this series. I hope that you will take advantage of Pete'sBlog.org, as the guys talked about uh, our heart there is that we'll be able to post these videos, all of the videos of the, of the stories that you hear here on Sunday morning from other Next Level church attenders. Uh, every message that we share up here is going to be on that website. Others of you have already started to visit Pete'sBlog.org and, and log in your stories. Comment back to us and tell us the storms that God has brought you through, the, the storms that maybe even you're presently facing. We want that to become a community place for the next several weeks where not only those of us who call Next Level Church our home, home uh, can come and, and, and learn and grow from one another and be encouraged by one another, but also uh, friends and family, maybe uh, others who are here in Southwest Florida who are facing a storm situation in their life too, where they're being called upon to trust like never before, that you could email that to them or maybe someone outside of Southwest Florida, around the country or even around the world, that, that you could send them there and say, listen, listen to this story, listen to this message, listen to this testimony, read this comment. That's what we want Pete'sBlog.org to be. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. Uh, as well as then your journals. My heart is, my hope is that all of us will start carrying this with us in our purse or in our pocket, whatever, and that um, God will start to show up in our everyday lives in the midst of our storms as we're about to see. And when he does, we'll have the ability to see him and recognize him when he shows up. So this is part one uh, of this series called Pete's Blog. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14? Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to be starting in verse 22 because our lens for this entire series is this guy named Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was one of the the inner 12, so to speak, and actually he was one of the inner three of Jesus. So he's one of the guys who was closest to Jesus of anyone during Jesus' earthly ministry, his time on earth. Peter uh, was one of those guys who was not only close to Jesus, but Peter's life is really just one situation after another, after another, where it would seem that God kept placing him there to test Peter's trust in him. And so we're going to zero in on four stories for the next four Sundays, stories of trust through the lens of Peter's life. And I think they not only will uh, be relevant to us as it relates to reading and understanding the Bible, 
But I believe they're going to make absolute sense to so many of us listening right now who are facing storms in our lives as well. So Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to turn. If you don't have your Bible, that's totally cool. The verses will be on the screens around me. I know you'll be able to follow along. We're going to start in verse 22. Let's pick up the story right there. It says this, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Let me uh, just kind of backfill the story a little bit for us. Right before this passage, right before the story we're headed into, Here's what's going on. Jesus and the disciples have had this amazing day of ministry. They're at the height of Jesus' ministry here on earth. And so they're actually in front of a crowd of several thousand. The Bible tells us there were 5,000 people there at least. But in those days, they didn't even count the women and children. So many theologians who study the scripture tell us that there could have been as many as 10, 15, even 20,000 people listening to Jesus that day. Well, if you're one of the disciples, I mean, this is, you're awesome. And you're on the inner track of this whole deal. You're close to Jesus. you got front row seats, so to speak, to this entire day of Jesus' teaching. Well, um, later in the day, it dawns on Jesus that none of these people, these thousands of people who have come, have had anything to eat. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, guys, give them something to eat. And the disciples are like, well, we don't have any food. Where would we get that kind of food anyway to feed this size of a crowd? And so Jesus says, well, go find out what we got. And so the disciples go out into the crowd, take a quick survey, and they find one little kid with five loaves and two fish. Remember this story? And we don't know for sure, but they either stole his lunch or they hustled him or they... I don't, I don't know what happened, but when you get to know Peter a little bit, you're going to find out that maybe there was more to the story. So this little kid offers up his lunch... To Jesus, well, we know how it goes. Jesus prayed over the lunch. He blessed it and he broke it. And then he started handing it back to the disciples saying, go feed him, go feed him, go feed him. Well, God does a miracle that day in front of thousands of people. And in a short period of time, Jesus and the disciples feed thousands upon thousands of people free lunch. And then at the end, there's 14 baskets left over that they bring back. If you talk about blessing, okay, this is, this is a serious miracle blessing right there. Well, at that point in the day, think about being there. This guy that you've just listened to teach things you've never even heard or fathomed before gives you free lunch and took one little kid's lunch and fed thousands of people with it. At that point, Jesus is elevated to, like, rock star status. It is like, what up, Jermaine Arena? Right? I mean, this is like a big deal right here. And so Jesus, and, and if you're one of the disciples, you got, like, backstage passes. It's like, yeah, check me out. Yeah, that's right. I travel with them. Back off. Right? I mean, the disciples right here are going, this is awesome. I mean, if they'd had TV crews, they'd have been there. Radio. I mean, NPR is there giving us the real story. It's like, boom, Larry King. I mean, you name it. In those days, this is huge. So right in the midst of this whole deal, the disciples are doing interviews. Well, you know, the other night we were with Jesus, and here's what he said. They're all being cool, backstage passing it up, the whole deal. Jesus is being a rock star right there. And in the midst of all of this, verse 22, Jesus is like, guys, 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 come here, come here. And he pulls his disciples aside and he goes, okay, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get in that boat right there and um, head on across the lake because tomorrow morning we're going to be needed on the other side of the lake. Now, can you imagine being one of the disciples? Can you imagine being Peter? Peter's like, what are you talking about? Lord, we're preaching the word. We're, we're doing it. We got lots of people right here. And there's storm clouds coming. Jesus, you do not want to, trust me, we have, we have figured this out. You do not want us to go in that boat. But here's what happens, and I think there are some principles embedded in this story that I think have to do with trust, not only for Peter, but for all of us 
as well. And here's the first principle I would throw our direction, and that is this. There are times in our life where God's plan contradicts our plan. If it were up to the disciples right here, they would have looked back at Jesus and said, forget about the boat. I see storm clouds coming. We do not need to go in the boat. There's plenty to do right here because Larry King is about to put me on live going to all of Galilee. So, no, we're not going to do this, Jesus. If it were up to the disciples, they'd have said, no, forget it. But see, there are times in our life where even when we don't understand God's plan for our life contradicts our plan. And that's exactly where the disciples found themselves. Look at verse 23. Jesus says, go get in the boat. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So Jesus doesn't even go with them. He sends them out into the boat. And he's like, no, you guys go ahead and row all night. It'll take you all night to get there, trust me. And uh, uh, never mind the storm clouds, don't worry about that. And, and, and I'm going to go over here and have a little R&R. So Jesus goes up on the mountain and is praying and just hanging out with God. Meanwhile, the disciples are in the boat and they're rowing and they're going crazy. And all night long, the storm clouds roll in and the rain begins to come down. And the thunder and the lightning and the waves begin to crash on their boat. And the waves are coming in and they felt all alone. Like they're in the midst of a storm and God is nowhere to be found. Maybe some of us have felt like that in the storms of our life as well. Or we look at the storms of our life and we go, you know what? I feel like God is nowhere to be found. We look at the storms of our life and we're like, do you, Jesus, do you know what the word foreclosure means? Do you, do you understand that my marriage is imploding? Do you understand that the doctors came back with a really bad report? And God, I don't even know where you are. I am facing the storm of my life and you are some far, far, high away God, far away. That's where we find ourselves. Well, that's exactly where the disciples found themselves as well. Look at verse 24. After he had dismissed them, he went up to pray. Verse 24. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So the disciples found themselves smack dab in the middle of a storm. Here's the second principle that I think is so important for us to understand about trust, that there are times when God's plan includes storms there are times when god's plans for our lives for his children include storms i have to be honest with you of all of the many facets of god of, of all that, that we read about and understand in the Bible about God and, and the angles of God and who he is in our lives i have to be honest with you This is by far one of the most difficult ones for me personally to understand. Because because I listen to a story like Beth's. The story of a parent who watched their child go through what her child went through. And I can't fathom that. Every parent in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. That no parent wants to see their child in pain. No parent wants to see their child in a storm season. Our oldest son, Will, was born in the year 2000, and when he was born, he was nine and a half weeks premature. So he spent several days in the NICU, 
And then he came out, and during those first several months as he began to grow, we realized that his eyes were crossed, that they were turned in. So we took him to a doctor, and they said, sure enough, he needs to have surgery. So when Will, our oldest son, was nine months old, we took him to a special children's hospital in Indianapolis, several hours from our home, to have surgery. And I will never forget the feeling of having the doctors and nurses take away our nine-month-old son to have eye surgery on he actually had to have another surgery about a year and a half ago in Orlando. And there's, parents, I know you know this, there's, there's no feeling like that. This feeling as a father of going, I am, I'm watching my child in pain. I'm watching my child go through a storm season. Well, here's the thing. As we read this book, as we study this book, and we, we read about our God, we, we hear him referred to as our heavenly father. Father, we read, Jesus even prayed, our Father, which art in heaven. He, Jesus himself called God the Father. And yet, how could a loving, gracious, heavenly Father, if it's really true that he loves us so much, how could a loving, heavenly Father allow storms to be in our life? How could God's plan for us include storms? And I know that some of us right now are facing storms in our life, and we have asked God that question. God, I do not understand if you are so good, if you're so loving. I don't understand how you could allow this to happen. I don't understand how he could leave me. I don't understand how my child could do that. I don't understand how I could be downsized. I don't understand how this could happen. Well, that's where the disciples found themselves, in this boat, in the middle of a lake. They had been rowing all night. Jesus was nowhere to be found, and they were facing the storm of their life. Verse 25, this is where the story picks up. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So these guys, in the midst of the storm, they're rowing, they're doing their whole thing, they're bailing out water, they're trying to survive this storm. And to make matters worse, Peter or somebody, I would imagine it's Peter, he looks out at the horizon and he sees a figure coming toward them and he's like, as if our life couldn't get any worse, it's a ghost! And it says that they were freaking out, they were terrified, they're scared to death. But see, here's the thing. This is the third principle of trust that I think we've got to grab a hold of, and that's this. Jesus has a way of surprising us in the storms of our life. Jesus has a way of surprising us, because we read there in verse 27 that it wasn't a ghost. It, was, it wasn't some fictitious made-up thing. It was actually Jesus, verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, which I love the word immediately there. Because it's like he had waited all night and he finally walks up and at the time that they go, that's a ghost. He's like, hey, wait, 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 wait. shut it down. And he's like, well, I'm glad you didn't wait five more minutes. Thank you very much. And Jesus is like, take courage. It's me. Don't worry. You have nothing to fear. You're facing the storm of your life and I am now with you. Jesus comes and he surprises him. You ever been surprised by God in the midst of a storm? Some of us know what it is to have God surprise us. To pop out from around the corner and we go, oh, I never saw it coming. 
Well, that's where the disciples were. They're in the midst of this boat, and they're in the midst of this storm, and Jesus comes out and he surprises them. And then look at this, verse 29. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Enter Peter. Are you serious, bro? Now, see, here's the thing. Peter was notorious. As you study the New Testament, you find out that of all the disciples, Peter was the consummate put-your-foot-in-your-mouth disciple. I mean, this guy was always taking things to an extreme. He was always pushing the envelope. Imagine being a disciple. You've rode all night. You're exhausted. You just had a big crusade with the bread and the deal and the blessing and the thing and the 5,000 and the miracle. And Jesus puts you in a boat and you've rode all night. And thank God you thought you were going to die with the wind and the waves and the crashing. And it's coming over. And surely this is the end of us. Well, oh, it's a ghost. No, it's not a ghost. It's actually Jesus. And you're like, yeah, Jesus came. And then Peter is like, I'm coming out. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. I mean, the disciples are probably like, Peter, what are you doing? Why can't you just be happy that he came? Why do you have to do this? We thought we were going to drown. Jesus is finally here. It's not about you right now, buddy. But look at the next part of 29. Jesus replied, Come on down. What? Okay, not only do I have issue with Peter in this instance, but now I got issue with Jesus. Why are you humoring him? Shut him down, Lord. Right? But what is going on? Jesus is like, come on. He's trying to be like a greeter at Bob Evans. Yeah, welcome. Come on in. We've been waiting. Bacon or sausage. What's going on? Why would Jesus do this? It's bad enough they're in a storm. It's bad enough they're about to drown. It's bad enough, and it's good enough that Jesus finally came. Why didn't Jesus just shut him down and just be like, Peter, stop it. Well, look, verse 29. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. He did it. Are you, are you kidding me? He, Jesus is like, come on, bro. And Peter climbs over the side of the boat. And he starts walking out toward Jesus. The wind and the waves and the lightning and the thunder. And it's crashing around him. And he's walking toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So Peter gets out of the boat. He does it. He's walking on the water. He's coming to Jesus. But then he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he's like, whoa, waves. Wow, wind. Whoa. Look at this. And all of a sudden he gets distracted by the storm. And he's like, this is crazy. What am I doing? And all of a sudden he starts to sink. And he's like, Lord, save me. I'm going down. Notice number four. That Peter was forced to trust in the storm. Peter was forced to trust in the storm. He gets all the way out on the water, and then he gets his eyes on the storm. And he's like, what am I doing out here? And he starts to sink, and he looks at Jesus. He's like, Lord, you got to save me. See, here's what I know. Put this story in the middle of a bright, sunshiny day, it loses its power, doesn't it? 
put this story in the middle of just like a day at the beach and everybody's happy and there's sunshine and everything's great, this story doesn't have half the power, does it? Why does God allow storms in our life? Because it's smack dab in the middle of storms that we are forced to trust Him. Our trust in God is always tested in the storm. See, anyone can believe when the market's up and the jobs are rolling in. Anyone can trust when the doctor walks in and goes, Good news! Test is clear. Anyone can can trust when the IRS reports a refund. But trust is always tested in the storms of our life. See, because that's when God truly knows the posture of our heart. Listen, Peter didn't have to trust 12 hours earlier when Jesus was feeding 5,000 people. When Jesus is just blessing everybody and Peter's like, another basket, here we go. Who else needs bread? Who else needs fish? Peter didn't have to trust. All he had to do was marvel and serve. And see, in the blessing zones of our life, we don't need to trust God, do we? We just marvel. We're just like, I just can't believe it. I made 80 grand on my house in the last nine days. And we walk around and we're just like marveling, right? And just going, well, here we go. See, it doesn't take any trust to trust Him in the blessing times. But 12 hours later, in the midst of the storm, Peter's out on the water and he is forced to trust in the storm. Number five principle we can glean is that trust fades when we focus on the storm more than on Jesus. Trust in our life begins to fade when we focus on the storm more than we focus on Jesus. Now, before we go dogging out Peter for his lack of trust right here, Peter, how could you do that? I think it's important for us to put ourselves in his shoes, for us to put Peter in our shoes. In the storm that so many of us are facing right now in our lives, the storm has a way of being a huge distraction doesn't it? I mean, we can be as close to God as we want to be. I mean, we can be, we can be as, as spiritual as you want to be. But let a storm break out in our life. Let our spouse leave. Let our job get eliminated. Let a couple of properties get foreclosed on. And all of a sudden, we start working harder and harder, working more and more hours. We, we start staying up all night with that crazy feeling in our stomach going, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to make this work? Where, what am I going to do for a job? How am I going to pay the bills? I got more bills than I got bills. I got more month than I got money. And we start freaking out, don't we? And we get so distracted. Well, that's exactly where Peter found himself. He's facing this huge storm, and he steps out of the boat, and he walks on the water a little ways, and then he's like, wow, this storm is going to kill us. This is crazy out here. And he becomes distracted, and see, watch, our trust fades when we focus more on the storm than we do on Jesus. And that's where Peter found himself, but I love this, verse 31. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. And I can't help but read these words of Jesus thinking that Jesus had a small little smile on his face. He reaches out and he grabs Peter by the hand and he says, You of little faith, why did you doubt? In other words, look around. 
you're doing what no human being has ever done or will ever do, contrary to what Pastor Scott showed us, again. You're already living the impossible. Do you not think I can get us out of this? Why are you doubting? You're standing on water. Jesus reaches out his hand and he says, hey, I'm in control. I'm bigger than your storm. And I believe that there are hundreds of us listening right now who are facing a storm in our life. And you need to hear the words of Jesus saying to you today, I'm with you. We're in this together. You haven't drowned yet. You haven't died yet. You haven't went under yet. You're going to make it. Now, of course, we like to put God in our little box and go, well, you know, if he doesn't show up this way, then it's not really him. Listen, by the time that boat reached shore, that sh- shore there's a good chance that it was all beat up and battered and just... But they made it. And can I just encourage you today? God has showed up in the midst of our storms. He is here with us in the midst of the storms that we're facing, in the midst of all that's going on in our life with the wind and the rain and the waves and the thunder and the lightning. Jesus is here and he would say to every single one of us listening today, I'm with you. Have faith. Don't be like those doubting people. You have faith. You're doing what no one has ever done before. You're going to make it. And then look at this, verse 32. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here's the sixth principle that we can pull out of this story that I think is so appropriate for our lives, and it's this. Peter's trust in the storm impacted others. Peter's trust in the storm impacted I'll be honest with you, as I read this story, the thing that probably sticks out the most to me is the timing of when the other disciples made this statement. Because again, just 12 hours earlier, they're watching Jesus bless everybody. They're watching Jesus give food to everybody. Everybody, free lunch, woohoo, 5,000 people, wow. But it's not in the midst of the blessing period that the disciples declare, wow, look at this. He must be the Son of God. It was in the midst of the storm that the disciples declared, truly, you are the Son of God. And why did they say it? Was it really inconceivable for the disciples to believe that Jesus could walk on water? He did just feed thousands of people. Which was more mind-blowing for the disciples looking on? That Jesus walked on water or that Peter did? Because the disciples knew Peter. They knew Peter was a doofus. Why was this so impactful for them? The reason it was so impactful is not so much that Jesus walked on water as it was that Peter did. 
That's what made this story of trust so powerful. That's what impacted others' lives so huge. Was that Peter, an average guy, an average Joe, an average Jane, an average one of us, a guy who blew it as much as he hit it, came through the storm and lived. That's what was so powerful. And see, here's what I know. I know that there are so many of us who are facing storms in our life today. And we're looking around at the wind and the waves and all that's going on, and we don't know how this is going to end. We're not sure which way is up or where to turn or what to do. But can I just encourage you today? That God's plans contradict our plans sometimes. And, and God's it, plans include storms in our life sometimes. But Jesus has a way of surprising us in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your struggle. Jesus is with you. And he's calling us to trust him like we've never had to trust him before. But our trust fades when we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto the storm. When we refuse to stay locked on Jesus in the midst of the storm, that's when we start to sink. But God has allowed us to walk through these storms that we're, so many of us are facing right now. Because he wants to use our storm story to impact someone else's. That's the power. Of trusting in the storm. Let's stand together this morning. I want to ask you to do a couple of things. The first one is that the journal you were handed when you came in today, I, I hope that you will keep this with you for the next four weeks. And here's the question that I want you to ask and answer this week in your journal and, and it's this where is God surprising me in my storm I, I hope that we will grab a hold of that I hope that this journal will become permission for me and for you to start looking for God to surprise us in the midst of our storm I hope that, that when, when we're walking throughout our day we'll see Jesus kind of pop out at us in different places we'll go wow I never saw that coming wow no way no way I never imagined that wow listen to this conversation I had because see here's what I think I think that God is present in our lives so much in so many ways but we don't see it because we haven't focused our eyes to be able to see it and instead we look on and we go oh it's a ghost it's a fluke It's imaginary. It doesn't really exist. When in reality, it's Jesus going, it's me. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Surprise. Will you you write in there, and maybe you want to go on peachblog.org this week and track in and begin to tell us where God is surprising you in the midst of your storm. I'm going to ask you to do that this week. The second question I want to ask us this morning is this. Are you far from God? Because maybe as I've been talking today, you've been, been thinking about it, and you're like, you know, that, that's great. And maybe someone knows your situation. They know your story. They know the storm that you're facing. And so maybe a friend or a relative or someone, a coworker, invited you to come. Maybe they even, you know, tried to say, oh, I'll take you to lunch. I'll buy you lunch afterwards. You come. Which, make sure they do, by the way. That's important. 
It's integrity. It's another series. And maybe, you know, this God thing's not really been your thing. And maybe the whole church thing, and you're just kind of like, I don't know. See, here's what I think. I think that it's no coincidence that you're here. I think it's no coincidence that you've been facing the storm in your life that you've been facing. Because I think that there is a loving Heavenly Father who has set the whole thing up. Because storms have a way of getting our attention like nothing else in our life possibly can. So this morning, if you find yourself there, if you find yourself in this place where you're going, man, I know that my relationship with God is not what it needs to be. I I don't even have a relationship with God. I'm not even real sure what that means. Can I just encourage you this morning that what God wants more than anything, this infinite creator of the universe, this loving heavenly father that we've been talking about, what he desires more than anything is to have relationship restored between himself and us. And if you're here today and you feel like there's distance, the Bible says that that distance between us and God is caused by by sin or, or by us choosing our own way. In other words, when we're left to our own devices, when we're left to ourselves, we don't choose to do life God's way. We choose to do life our own way. And we go our own way and we drift and we end up where we don't want to be, suffering consequences that we don't want to have. But God says to us, listen, I want to I close that gap. I want to I be in a relationship with you. I want you to do life my way, not because I want to control you, but because it's just the best life you could possibly live. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity, if that's you, you feel like there's distance between you and God to respond and to come close. The Bible says all we have to do is confess. All we have to do is acknowledge that when left to our own devices, we choose sin or we choose our own way over God's way of doing life. And that if we'll do that, God will come rushing in. That if we'll take one step in his direction, he'll take like a million in ours. So all over this room, will you just bow your head just for a moment before we close our time together? And I want to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to invite everyone listening today to just pray this prayer, repeat this prayer with me. And if that's you, if there's distance between you and God, would you take this opportunity to just draw near during this time of prayer? Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I love you. Thanks for bringing me here. Thanks for getting my attention. Thanks for using my storm to show me a side of you I've never seen before. I acknowledge right now that when left on my own, I go my own way. I acknowledge the Bible calls that sin. But I confess that today. And I ask you to come into my life. Wash me clean. Forgive me of that sin and begin a relationship with you right now for eternity. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If that's you, I just want to encourage you that something powerful is going on in your heart right now. Something powerful is going on in your life. And when you came in today, you were handed a bulletin. And on the side of that is what we call our connection card. And down at the bottom, there are a couple of boxes there. Would you, before you leave the building today, would you mark one of those boxes that applies to you and then either do one of two things with it. One, take it to one of our first, second, or third time kiosks. Even if it's not your first, second, or third time, just like cut in line and be like, yeah, what up? And hand him the card, you know. 
because I want to I be in touch with you. We want to help you understand and unpack a little bit what it means to be in relationship with God. Or if you're coming to Newcomer's Reception, which I totally hope you will, which who's a newcomer? Anyone who's never been to Newcomer's Reception? You're still a newcomer. So we want you to come and spend a couple minutes with us. If you're coming in there, then hand it to one of the staff that Pastor Scott's going to introduce in there to you because we want to help you unpack what it means to be in relationship with God. The third and final thing I want to do this morning is I want to pray for every one of us who are going through a storm. Because I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there are hundreds of us right now who are facing storms in our life that are threatening to take our boat down, that are threatening to take our marriage down, that are threatening to take our finances down. And I want to pray that Jesus will begin to make himself real in the midst of our storms like he never has before. If you're here and you're standing next to a loved one or a spouse or someone that you're comfortable holding hands with, would you take their hand? And by the way, if you're trying to hook up and get a lunch date, don't do that right now. If the person standing next to you, you don't know who they are, don't grab their hand because they're going to be like, that's just weird. Really, really. But, But if you know someone that you're comfortable, you know what I'm saying. I want us to pray. Jesus, right now, so many of us are facing amazing storms. And God, right now, we're looking at the storm clouds and the wind and the rain and the amount of water in our boat. We are scared to death. Jesus, we pray that you would come to us. Lord, that you would surprise us, that you would come walking out on the water to us. Because, God, we are not real sure how this night's going to end. We're not real sure how this storm is going to be over. But, God, all we know is this is where we are, and we have done the best of our ability. And, God, now we're not sure what to do. But, God, we turn to you and we say, Jesus, take the storm. Be present in the storm. Come and meet us in our boat. God, call us out under the water. God, do the impossible, Lord, even if it doesn't look like we think it ought to look. God, even if it doesn't make sense in our natural mind, God, show up big time. God, we need you in the midst of the storm that we're facing. Father, I pray a hedge of protection around every person listening today. Your Holy Spirit would just wrap your loving arms around them. That God, in the midst of our storms, we would know that you're there. We would know that you're carrying us. You care for us and that we can just throw all of our cares on you because you do. Jesus, make yourself real in the storm. Help us to trust you in the midst of our storm. It's in your name we pray and we thank you for it. And all across this room, everybody say amen.